Dealing with triple net lease investments as often as we do, I get asked all the time, what is a landlord actually responsible for when it comes to a triple net lease? And and there's a, a lot of misconceptions when it comes to triple net leases and mailbox money, right? Because people start start talking about commercial real estate. They say, oh, mail, I want mailbox money. I want the passive income where uh, I don't have to do a damn thing. And triple net leases are really, really close to that, but they're not 100% of the way there. There are still actually some aspects of the deal that landlords are responsible for. And so I figured it would be a good thing for Andy and I to hop on today and walk through uh, just the different lease expenses when it comes to triple net opportunities and who is responsible for what? What does the landlord pay? What does the tenant pay? Uh, and what can you expect as you go into investing in these type of projects? Andy, today we're going to be covering the, the standard triple net lease. Uh, we'll talk about what the landlord is still responsible for, even though it is technically a triple net lease, mailbox money. Uh, I'm going to talk about the absolute net lease, which uh, may not be as familiar to some people as the uh, as the standard triple net lease would be. And then we'll talk about a couple of net lease variations, the single net lease, the double net lease. Those are much less common, uh, but it's they're probably still worth bringing up. Is there anything else that you think that we should be covering today? Tyler, maybe we can start with just a discussion of what the expenses are, because and then maybe even say mention gross leases and stuff too, just as a comparison. Uh, yeah. to the net leases and that we can cover all the different types. Absolutely. So we'll start off with triple net leases, right? Because that's what we're going to be talking about today. So in a triple net lease, uh, basically what a triple net lease is, it means is that the tenant is paying the triple net expenses. So they are paying for the common area maintenance, the property taxes, and the building insurance. Those are the three nets. Now, one thing I do want to point out, I said property taxes, right? Sales tax doesn't matter totally different thing. They're going to have to pay for that as their business. Anyway, we're just talking about with the real estate. What specifically with the real estate are they paying? And note that I said building insurance, right? There's a big difference between building or property insurance and liability insurance. Of course, the tenant is already going to be responsible for paying their liability insurance. But with a triple net lease, they are also responsible for paying the building insurance, at least their pro rata share of those expenses, right? I mean, if you occupy one-tenth of a shopping center and you have a triple net lease, then you'll pay one-tenth of the total expenses that are involved with that property, right? You will pay your pro rata share as the tenant. Um, in a full-service gross lease, the, the tenant basically makes one payment, right? So they pay one lump sum, and then the landlord pays all of the expenses, right? So the landlord is actually taking more risk in that front uh, than the tenant is, right? Because the tenant could use a massive amount of electricity and it doesn't matter because the landlord still has to pay it. The, the tenant's still paying their same flat fee. Uh, that can actually be favorable to both sides. And we can kind of dive into that a little bit further, Andy, if you want to. And then the, the modified sure. gross lease, which is essentially a triple net lease hybrid with a full service gross lease. As you know, in commercial real estate, literally everything is negotiable. I mean, I've seen crazy things in deals. You know, I've seen somebody say, yeah, I'll accept this deal, but I want your Range Rover. I mean, it's you see those kinds of things happen all the time. Everything is negotiable. So when it comes to a lease, you know, a tenant could uh, ask for or negotiate for uh, a full service gross lease, 
but the landlord wants them to pay their own utilities, right? So really what you would have there is a modified gross lease. The tenant pays rent plus utilities, or you could have rent plus common area maintenance, right? Um, there's, there's a couple different variations there. So that'll help you kind of understand a little bit of the comparison between the three different ones. I would say triple net leases are definitely gaining in momentum in terms of popularity on the landlord side, um, just because they are so protective of the landlord, right? At the end of the day, whether you're paying $20 a foot triple net with $5 in expenses, so $25 a foot OM, or $25 a foot full service, right? Assuming you do a full service gross lease, it's the same rate, right? It ends up being the same thing. The reason that landlords prefer to do a triple net lease is that uh, if property taxes go up, they don't get stuck with the bill. The tenants who use that space, who are occupying, in the example earlier, one-tenth of the property, will pay their share of the increase on one-tenth of the property expenses instead of the landlord. Um, you know, on a, on a full-service gross lease, the reason landlords would use that is that there are a lot of unsophisticated tenants out there, right? So think about a startup business. As complex as commercial real estate is, trying to wrap your mind around, okay, so I pay you base rent, and then I have to pay common area maintenance, property taxes, and building insurance, and then I have to pay my utilities, and then I have to pay, I mean, it's just, it starts stacking up and stacking up, and it can get intimidating for a lot of small business owners and startups. Right, so it's a lot easier for a landlord to quote a full service number and just deal with it. Now, they're obviously, if you're going to be quoting a full service number, you're probably going to bake in some buffer there, right? Because you have to make sure that you're protected uh, whenever you're doing a, a lease like that. Andy, does that kind of answer your uh, or satisfy the the dive into the three different types? Absolutely, Tyler, and I think. You know, just as an example for people to understand, one of the most common examples of a full service lease, and you might not think of it this way, but it's like a hotel room, right? They're paying, you know, as opposed to an apartment where you usually pay your own utilities and stuff. And I know we're talking about commercial, but this is just so people kind of have a reference point to understand the hotel is going to bake in a lot of extra expenses because they're essentially paying for what, you know? maintenance of the room it's just like maintenance of a building right they're paying for the insurance of the building the you're not paying for that when you go to a hotel room directly right and you're not paying for any of the utilities or the cable bill or anything else but indirectly you are paying for that and that's why a hotel charges such a high room rate per night compared to what you usually would get from staying in an apartment so that's just kind of an easy translatable example i think for people to understand this is how a full service lease could work and that you just translate that same sort of philosophy to commercial space. That's right. So let's uh, let's dive into the standard triple net lease and talk about what is covered in that, what the landlord is responsible for, what the tenant is responsible for. Um, and then we'll get into the gray areas, but you know, because people call a lease a triple net lease all the time. I mean, Andy, how often are we looking through triple net investments and <laughs> realizing like this isn't even close to being triple net? The broker just has no idea how to market this property. I mean, all the time. All the time. Yeah, 
all the time, um, which is concerning. And it's tough because when you're underwriting a property and somebody tells you it's a triple net property, you're going to underwrite it completely differently than if you say it is a modified gross lease. Okay, cool. It's modified gross. We know that we've got to at least pay for this and account for expenses on this end, right? Which you don't necessarily have to do on a triple net lease. Uh, looks like, is it Cristal? I hope I'm not saying that wrong. Is saying you're a commercial powerhouse, Tyler. I appreciate that so much. Thank you for jumping in the live stream. <laughs> Andy's face. <laughs> oh, that's great. I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. Um, okay, so the three nets, the reason it's called a triple net lease, there are three nets. So you've got the common area maintenance, property taxes, and building insurance. So the lease is basically, hey, here's your, your you're paying X amount net of these expenses. So that's what that that's kind of where that comes from. Um, if you're not familiar, some uh, in some regions, they will actually shorten uh, the triple nets to CTI, cam tax and insurance. It's not very common in Nashville, but I have seen that uh, before in, in different regions, uh, people calling it CTI, we should call it CTI more often, but we just don't I mean, it makes it makes a lot of sense. We just call them the triple nets. Common area maintenance is basically anything that is going to help maintain the common area. I know that, that is uh, probably going to come as a shock to most of y'all. Uh, but it is, you know, think of like, we're, I'm in an office building right now. So, okay, so uh, in our office building, we have electricity powering the hallways, right? We have HVAC powering the hallways. Uh, we have common area restrooms, right? Who's going to pay to maintain that? We have janitorial going on. We have parking lot maintenance. Somebody's got to come out and clean the parking lot. We got to repave the parking lot. We got to restripe the parking lot. That's all common area that all of the tenants use. And so every tenant pays their fair share of that. Now at this office building for us, it's easier for us to just move forward with a full service gross lease. Uh, so we, we don't have it set up as triple net. You'll more, you'll find triple net more commonly in retail and restaurants than you will anything else. That being said, if it is a single tenant deal, you're almost like 99% sure you're going to have a triple net deal just because it's one tenant that is utilizing the entire property. It's very easy for a landlord to just say, Hey, you're responsible for everything you deal with it. Cause you're the only one using it. Right. And uh, triple net leases, I mean, full service gross leases actually help kind of keep tenant relations at bay because you don't have tenants arguing, well, why am I having to pay so much when, you know, I have an accounting firm and there's a bakery next door and they are definitely using more electricity than I am and definitely using more water. Why am I having to pay a higher rent, you know, per month because of that? So, um, it, it certainly helps with that. Uh, I would also say, you know, people ask all the time, why would a tenant sign a triple net lease? Well, there are actually a lot of benefits to it. One, you know that the property is going to be maintained properly, right? It will actually get maintained. In a full service gross lease, there, I mean, not every landlord out there is great, right? Some landlords are going to cut corners and try and make a dollar everywhere they can. And because of that, they might start skimping on paying certain bills, Right. Instead of if I if if a landlord has a full service gross lease and they're doing janitorial twice a week, well, they could look at that and go, well, hey, I can raise my income substantially by doing janitorial once a week. And that will end up making a pretty big difference as to how the property looks, how it's maintained, how happy the tenants are. And there's nothing that you can really do about it because it's not covered in your lease like it is in a triple net lease where they have to do it. So there are protections for both. Like Starbucks signs a triple net lease on all of their properties. Uh, I don't think that they have any corporately owned sites. I think they all do corporate properties. 
Um, so, uh, and the reason for that is they get to maintain their brand look, right? They are fully responsible for maintaining the property, maintaining the building. So they can ensure that all the landscaping is done properly. The building looks nice and neat. They don't have to rely on a landlord to come by and pick up the trash. Um, so it, it works out really well for them. Doster group is giving a big thumbs up. Cheers to that. Appreciate it, man. Um, okay. Or woman, I don't know your Doster group. It could be either. <laughs> um, so that's, that's it in a standard triple net lease. Oh, well, okay. Property taxes, right? So you've got property taxes that, I mean, that's assessed by the government. That is what's called a, a fixed expense. Like that will not fluctuate no matter what your building insurance is technically a fixed expense because you know every year what it's going to be. Your common area maintenance expenses are not fixed expenses. Uh, they can tend to fluctuate because think about it. If it snows in Nashville, well, now we've got to go out and we've got to salt all the parking lots. We have to do snow removal on the parking lots. That's a common area maintenance expense that wasn't anticipated because it rarely snows here to the point where we have to go do that. So that could be a reason for your um, expenses to go up. So um, just keep that in mind too. Okay. Anyway, in a standard triple net lease, the landlord is not responsible for paying any of those. The landlord will collect them, right? You will, the tenant will pay that every month with their rent. And it's the landlord's responsibility to collect one-twelfth of it every month and then pay it all in full. You pay your insurance in full. You pay your property taxes in full. And the reason that I highly, highly, highly recommend that you as the landlord are the one that collects that and pays the bill instead of having the tenant do it directly, you're probably going to guess it. What happens if the tenant forgets to pay that bill or they don't pay that bill? Now you're going to have a property tax issue on your property. You don't want to be dealing with the government over that, right? You're going to have a lapse in coverage on your insurance. You don't want to go anywhere near that, right? Because you're trying to protect your investment. So it's, it's best if you just collect that, account for it, and then pay it out yourself. David Mallory is saying, I'm learning about these terms. What is a good book to learn about commercial real estate leases in particular? Uh, David, that's a great question. I actually wrote a book um, on leasing commercial real estate called Open for Business. Um, let me grab a copy. Right here. I was going to grab one. Yeah, yeah we, I think we, I've got a whole bunch of copies in here. Um, you can get this on Amazon. It's Open for Business, The Insider's Guide to Leasing Commercial Real Estate. Um, obviously not why I'm doing this. I don't, I don't make any money on the book. Uh, but what I wanted to cover in that book was the the guide, right, to how leasing commercial real estate is done. Um, there's just not a lot of information out there. And I realized that there are a lot of parties that have no idea how any of this is handled. So I mean, that that actually goes through the entire process somewhat from a tenant's perspective, but it's good as a landlord to know that it's, it goes through all the terms, um, how how the process is supposed to be step by step. Um, I also have a let's see, if you go to and I'll drop this in the live chat, we put together a list of the 10 best books on in, on commercial real estate. Let me see if I can share. Yeah, there we go. Sharing my screen now. Uh, let me drop this in the live chat for y'all. Um, so there are links in there that go to all of these books. Um, if you just go to tylercobble.com slash blog slash commercial real estate books with hyphens in between. 
um, or just go to Google and type in my name plus books. Um, and it'll pop up. So it's got everything from crushing it in apartments by Brian Murray to how to succeed in commercial real estate. That book is a great book, how to succeed in commercial real estate. I highly recommend it. We've got buttons here to order every single one of them on Amazon. Of course, you can't not have a book from bigger pockets on there. Best ever apartment syndication book, Joe Fairless. I mean, you know, there's, there's some pretty amazing books in here, uh, that'll kind of go through that process. This is actually one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, walkable city, how downtown can save America one step at a time. That completely changed my perspective on commercial real estate investments and how we should go about the process. Um, so if you get the opportunity to read that book, I, I highly recommend it. David is saying, thank you. Absolutely, man. Anytime, anytime. Okay. Um, so when you're, when you're looking at these standard triple net leases, like I said, the tenant is really responsible for everything. They're responsible for paying their own utilities. The landlord is still responsible for a few things. And so it's very important that as the landlord, not only are you look, doing your due diligence and reading through the leases, you've got to go get the property inspected. Most triple net leases will still place the responsibility of maintaining the structural components of the building on the landlord. Right. So typically a, a tenant may be responsible 100% for paying for their HVAC. They may also not be. So you want to double check that. But when it comes to the structural components of the building or any utilities serving the building, you as the landlord could be responsible. So we're talking about the foundation. We're talking about structural walls. We're talking about the roof. Right. Those are all pieces of the property that the landlord is still responsible for maintaining. So those could be pretty massive unexpected capital expenditures if you don't account for that on the front end. So you definitely want to make sure that you review your lease and dive into all of that. A couple of other things that the landlord is still responsible for, asset management. I mean, Andy, walk, walk everybody through the day-to-day -day of asset management and why it's so important for investors to be managing an asset, not just hey, I'm going to collect rent and not worry about it. Right. So the asset manager typically has to do two things when it comes to a property, right? Number one thing the asset manager has to do is that they have to stay you know, on top of the property manager, which is different, right? And it kind of depends whether you're doing a single tenant rest. Like, for example, let's say we're dealing with a Walgreens and it's just one Walgreens building. Uh, Starbucks is triple net. Uh, Christelle is asking, probably a lot of their uh, Starbucks are, but we know if we're talking about a Walgreens, for example, or CVS or a store like that, and they're just one store by themselves, right? Let's make it easy. Typically, their property manager is, is just, you know, their on-site person or whoever is kind of assigned to their market. You know, that's how these big companies, they, you know, will assign one person to control multiple stores in a market. And so you're going to have to stay on top of them and make sure that they're dealing with all of the issues, right? Or if you're owning, like we do, a big commercial shopping center, right? And we have to make sure our property manager is staying informed and aware of what we want to do with the property, right? And that they're communicating effectively the goals of the building as a real estate investment rather than just as an operation because that's what the property manager does they make sure the tenants pay 
They make sure stuff is clean. They make sure all the bills are taken care of. They make sure, you know, all those headaches and hassles of, you know, you know, toilets and tenants, right, are, are taken care of. But they don't necessarily know what we want to do as a strategy. They don't necessarily know if I'm the asset manager, you know, do we want this tenant to renew their lease? Do we want to increase the rents? Do we want to sell this building? So those are all these calculations and essentially numbers that you have to run. You have to look at what other buildings are leasing for. You have to look at, do I actually think these tenants have good credit? Do I actually think these tenants are going to keep paying? Have they missed a couple payments? Does that mean we want to kick them out? Should we start the eviction process, right? Uh, ideally, you don't ever want to be in that situation, but these are things that decisions that sometimes you are forced into making, right? You have to make a judgment call. So that is what the asset manager is trying to do. Make sure that, you know, you are really on top of managing every part of the investment in terms of what are we trying to do to make sure, you know, we're actually protecting the investment for either our investors or for ourselves. Right. And then it's it's a lot more that goes goes on in terms of decision making, in terms of do we sell the building, what do we sell it for, uh, to whom do we sell it, who do we lease to, do we raise the rents, all this kind of stuff, uh, like even what tenants we put in a building. So these are all going to be questions and considerations that you're going to be thinking about. And so that's why, you know, there is more, as Tyler was saying, than just the net expenses it's like yeah they're covering most of your expenses but if you want your asset to be taken care of your investment your real estate to be actually managed well and professionally you're going to need someone either yourself or an outside asset management team to do that for you that's right i mean you 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 want to make sure too if you're getting into that and you're hiring a third-party asset manager that the group is actually managing a decent amount of property that is similar to yours too. I mean, don't just have an don't hire an asset management manager that does multifamily to to manage a single tenant you know restaurant property for you. It's they're they're I mean they're not super different to the point where that person couldn't do it. It's just always best, especially if you're starting out, like just hire the right people, right? I mean, it's it's going to cost you the same amount of money. I mean, typically for asset management, I mean, you're looking at somewhere between probably two and 5% of the gross revenue, depending on how big the project is. And so, you know, for if you want truly passive income, you want true mailbox money, you have to have an asset manager. It's it's just it's not going to happen without that. Um, that is a service that we do. We don't really third party it. We don't talk about that a whole lot. Uh, but we are doing that on all of our own properties and assets. And it's super important. I mean, that is it's a full time job, right? It is a full time job making sure that all of the bills are getting paid, that the properties are looking nice, that everybody's executing our plan, our business plan, because that's look at every investment like it's its own business, right? Like you have a business plan, you have a team that you've got to assemble. And the asset manager is the CEO. They're not the CEO, they're the president right? You're the CEO or the chairman of the board. You're sitting back, you're saying, hey, this is what I want. And then the president's going to go and execute that for you. So uh, I, I definitely uh, think you should keep that in mind. Crystal is asking, I'm not sure if you take questions. We're absolutely taking questions. This is a live conversation. That's why we do this live. So if y'all have any questions um, or anything that you want to talk about, please bring it up. Uh, Andy and I would love to ha you know, have that conversation with you all. Uh, I'm starting in real estate and I'm getting into commercial real estate leasing. How would I qualify new businesses and startups? I'm finding buyers who are testing the water with CRE. 
That is a great question. And that is one that we deal with all the time on the brokerage side. So I still own a commercial real estate brokerage um, that focuses on leasing our portfolio, which is now about a half million square feet. Uh, but they also represent us going to buy these properties. They help us find um, our next investments. So uh, one thing that I would say, if you're, if you're doing the leasing, um, I always qualify our tenants on the front end. So it's, it's easy for us to kind of make Nashville the bad guy, right? Like, hey, Nashville is such a hot market. And I'm sorry if you guys are hearing hammering going on in the background. We're in a commercial building and uh, <laughs> renovating the space. So uh, just bear with us. But um, I, I just say, hey, look, Nashville's a very hot market. And we need to make sure that we're as prepared as possible for you when we're going to help you uh, lease a space. So we need to be able to pitch you to the landlord in the best light possible. And for us to be able to do that, we need to have your branding put together. We need to have your marketing collateral put together so the landlord fully understands who you are. If you're a startup, we need to see a business plan. That way they understand how you're going to go about making money so that you can pay rent. And then I need to see some financials because any landlord is going to want to see two to three years of tax returns and a personal financial statement from anybody that's a 10% owner or greater in the company, because those people are likely going to be personally guaranteeing the lease, right? Because it's a startup. There's no assets behind the entity to really justify no personal guarantees, right? Why would a landlord just take a blind risk? So that's one way I do it. With buyers that are kind of testing the water, it's a little bit tougher um, to really pre-qualify them. What I do, um, this is kind of a, a little trick, uh, is I will send them to three bankers that I know are interested in doing deals like that, that I've worked with, and I'll see kind of how that goes. Now, the banker can't call me and say, hey, they have this amount of money. That's illegal. That It, do it doesn't work like that. But what I will know is if that bank does not want to work with them, then you know we're likely not in the range, right? Or the bank will say, okay, cool, well, we will pre-approve you up to $1.5 million. Okay, well, now I know that when he was saying he wanted to buy a $5 million property, that's just not going to happen. And we're not going to try and figure that out. We're going to go for $1.5 million. So that's kind of a trick on how I qualify uh, both. Real estate training is saying, does a commercial tenant pay a deposit in case they break a lease early or do some sort of damage to the property? Absolutely, they do. Uh, and that will depend on the credit worthiness of the tenant. So, you know, Starbucks will probably try and get away with no security deposit because they're going to corporately guarantee the lease, right? And so if Starbucks is going to corporately guarantee the lease, that's one of the most secure leases that you could possibly ever have, which means I don't really need the assurances of a, uh, of a de security deposit to get my money. I know I'm going to get it, right? So uh, and that's it. One case, we're doing a deal right now in my office building where we've got a, a startup medical company um, that we just couldn't really get super comfortable with their financials. So I'm having them prepay two months of rent and they're going to put up a two month security deposit. So absolutely they do. We always want to make sure that we're on top of that because you never know what some tenants are going to do. I had a tenant um, here recently that. Uh, the company that he worked for basically revoked his license to work for that company. And instead of doing anything else, he had just signed a five-year lease. We were like one year into a five-year lease. I built out this space for him. Uh, he got out of the lease by joining the military and deploying, which I didn't know this. This was completely new to me. 
If you join the military and you deploy, you can get out of any contractual obligation uh, when it comes to real estate. You can get out of you can get out of uh, single family houses. You can get out of multifamily apartment complexes. You can get out of commercial real estate. You don't. It just breaks your leases, and there's no penalties for it. There's no. You can't get anything for it. So that's. Uh, I know that that was kind of a little bit of a tangent, but that's a little bit uh, on that. Uh, Crystal is asking, what system are you using for this stream and screen share? It's very seamless. Uh, thank you. We have spent a lot of time trying to put everything together. I've got a couple of wizards that really help me run the show. Shout out to you, Julian. Uh, so Julian actually put together all of these motion graphics that look super cool and the stuff that's you know sliding across the screen there. Um, it is a program called Ecamm, Ecamm Live. Um, and then I'm using this other tool called Stream Deck. Sorry for y'all listening on the podcast. You're not going to be able to see any of this. But Stream Deck has all of these buttons um, to where I can like change scenes. So like, watch, I'll change over to Andy, change back to me, change back to me and Andy, go back to the screen share. So it's it's pretty cool to um, to mess around with. It's 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 a lot of fun. So you know you can get it. Um, Gosh, I, th- I mean, Ecamm Live is just software, so that's easy to buy and download. And then the Stream Deck is by Elgato, E-L-G-A-T-O, the cat in Spanish. Uh, I think we got it on Amazon, uh, but it is an amazing program. It just it integrates directly with YouTube and, and makes it super easy. Anyway, um, okay, okay, there's a couple of other fees um, or or just things that that landlords of triple net properties need to keep in mind that they are still paying for accounting right? You still have to pay an accountant to deal with all of your uh, project. I mean, unless, of course, you're going to do it yourself, which, good God, there's no way that will ever be mailbox money if you do it yourself. But, you know, more power to you. Um, the mortgage, right? You have to pay the mortgage unless you paid in cash. Okay. Well, there's, I mean, you know, obviously, if you paid cash, you're not gonna have a mortgage. Brokerage fees. Brokerage fees are not, uh, you cannot put those in as common area maintenance. That's illegal in, I would imagine, most states, if not all states. Um, you cannot count brokerage fees as common area maintenance because it's technically not common area. Some landlords have tried to sneak that in, though, and that's why I bring that up because that, that's, that was like a whole thing. It's very specific that this is not allowed. So, I mean, you can see, even though it technically is a triple net mailbox money project, I mean, you still have other expenses that you are going to have to pay. So you can't just look at a project and say, oh, cool, they're selling it at a seven cap. I'm going to make a 7% cash on cash return. If I pay cash, it, it, it doesn't really work like that. A Duster Group is saying so many good gems dropped. Uh, Tyler and Andy Rock, <laughs> appreciate you. Glad, glad you're enjoying it. We, uh, we definitely need to start doing some more live streams like this where Andy and I just go on and talk about like some random topic that comes up because I mean, Andy, how often do we get asked random stuff like this? Like what are like triple net lease expenses? What are they actually responsible for? It's all the time. All the time. And it's fun. I mean, you know, Andy, uh, Andy can clearly talk for days and I'm just here to look good. (laughs) It's easy for me to talk when I'm not on a five-second delay, Tyler. 
I know. Isn't that frustrating? I don't know why uh, Andy is on a delay, but it, like I can hear. So Andy's in the other room right now, and I can hear myself, and then I can hear him, and it takes five seconds for it to like go through on the screen. So it's kind of funny. I'm sure you guys are sitting here watching him going, like, why is he just sitting there? Um, and you need to like start touching your ear and looking like you're on a live broadcast. Like, yeah, what's going on? Uh, Ice is saying, where do you recommend learning how to underwrite deals? That is a great question. Let me screen share. So if you go to YouTube and you type in Tyler Cobble underwriting, Look at that. Um, we have a we have a bunch of videos on in underwriting um, commercial real estate. So we've got one on I we actually built our own Excel model um, to show you how you know how to go through that process. So I kind of walk you through that. We have one on underwriting a triple net investment in Tennessee. Uh, we've got an underwriting video on a dark Walmart with cost segregation included. We've got one on a marijuana production facility, so a medical office investment, a single tenant net lease investment. I mean, we've got a whole bunch of them, um, and we're going to continue doing them just because, um, I mean, you guys love underwriting. If you want that model, by the way, that's in that first one, it's just tylercobble.com slash models. I mean, of course, you can go build your own um, underwriting model. They're very complex and tough to <laughs> – I mean, Andy can attest to how much time we have spent uh, putting those models together. Um, but you can just go buy them on there. And then every time we update it, I'll send you an updated version um, of that once you've bought it once for free just because we update them every now and then. Sometimes spreadsheets change. We find better ways of doing things, and that's how that works. Doster is laughing, I would imagine, at the uh, <laughs> at the stuff we were talking about earlier. Uh, and Cristal is saying, gold, thank you so much. Love it. Absolutely. Happy to happy to help anytime. I mean, that's that's exactly what this is for. Look at that. Ice, thumbs up. Trying to learn and become a master like Andy. Oh, no. <laughs> Andy is a master, all right. <laughs> I love that. Okay, cool. Um so it looks like we don't have any further questions on like what a what a landlord is responsible for when it comes to uh, triple net leases. Let's talk about an absolute net lease because the absolute net lease is what everybody is actually talking about when they are thinking about net triple net leases, right? So the absolute net lease it means it is absolutely net of everything, everything. So you as the owner are not responsible for anything. You don't have to worry about the roof. You don't have, I mean, look, if, if the, if the front door breaks, Hey, don't call me. Don't call me. You deal with it. That's your problem. You sign the lease tenant. So, um, an absolute net lease is, I mean, it's very easy to cover, right? Like we don't even have to dive into everything. The tenant pays you rent and then they are responsible for paying for everything. And it is a contractual obligation on their part. That's, that's the lease that they sign. Absolute net leases will typically trade for a lower cap rate because of that. Um, which means a higher value because it is even more passive on the landlord side. So really as the landlord, you don't have to do hardly anything. Now, that being said, Andy and I do still recommend that you go find an asset manager to help you manage the asset because there's still things that you're going to have to pay. I mean, look at this list that we made earlier. 
asset management, accounting, mortgage, brokerage fees, you're still going to have all of that, depending on how this project is looking and what you've got actually going on. So it may make sense to have somebody come in and manage it. Now, you may also be, you know, sipping pina coladas on the beach, and you don't mind working one or two hours a day. And there you go, problem solved, you could just do it on your own. Um, let's see, B dubs is saying, how do you and your team go about researching and validating new real estate concepts like your restaurants in the wash? Um, that's a great question. So I, I'm going to ask you a qualifying question. Are you asking <clears throat> how we dive into the tenant's strength and financials? Um, or are you asking like, how do we come up with new ideas that just kind of haven't been done before? Because when we came up with the wash, I mean, the wash is a project that's never really been done. Um, I actually recorded a vlog today on that project so that you guys can have like a deep dive behind the scenes of what we've got going on there. Uh, that's a really interesting project. Those leases are all full service, actually. Um, it's all wrapped into one. Now we are, are exploring uh, doing different styles because we're doing the wash 2.0, the wash 3.0. Um, so uh, things could change there. As far as like vetting that project, I mean, I like to look at investments and see, you know, can we get a, I don't like to do anything that doesn't have a 15 to 18% IRR or a 2x equity multiple to my investors. Uh, that's really where it starts to get interesting for us because um, he's asking, how do you make sure it's a viable concept for your company to move forward with? Um, sorry, B-dubs, I'm still a little unclear on if you're talking about the restaurant concepts that we placed into the project or if you're talking about the project it's, itself. But when it comes to um, the investments, I mean, you know, Andy can tell you how we underwrite everything, but it's kind of a 15 to 18% IRR minimum uh, with a 2x equity multiple. It can vary. I mean, we've got some projects um, that have done, they had to be way higher than that because we were taking on an exorbitant amount of risk with the development, right? And so, you know, the investors needed a better return because they were risky. Um, if you're talking about how we, uh, how we investigate a project like the wash, well, I mean, we just kind of do our normal development process, right? So we'll go through and figure out, okay, how much is it going to cost to acquire the property? You know, how much is it going to cost for us to build out the spaces? Uh, okay, he's asking about the project itself. Perfect. So that's that's exactly what I'm diving into now. So, you know, how expensive is the land? How much is it going to cost to build out? And how much do we think that we're going to rent it for? Andy, do you want to run through the, the research and the underwriting process from your side? Because I look at it, I've been doing this for eight years, right? So I intuitively see something and I go, we're going to do this. And then I kind of hand it off to Andy and his team. And I say, make the numbers work, <laughs> make sure it works. Yeah. Right. Like double check. Cause I, I intuitively think, Hey, we've got something here, um, based on back of napkin numbers, but I can't, I mean, the stuff that we put into spreadsheets, like there, no human being can do that in their head. There's just no way. So we have to live and die by our underwriting models. So Andy and his team runs that. So Andy, I'll turn that over to you. I mean, Tyler, it's, you know, the thing about underwriting and before asking anything's the master, it's really an art and a science, right? It, the science element of it is the technical, you know, do I have my formulas in Excel the right way? Do I input the right numbers? And do I have, you know, all the data available to me of what is this house next, you know, this building next door sold for and the land over here sold for and all that kind of stuff. Here's where the art 
part comes in is that a lot of data you have is not necessarily going to be easy to use. And this is why if you're coming from the residential side, it's really a lot easier to value residential real estate because you have a bunch of houses and you're like, okay, it's a 1200 square foot house. It's a, th you know, three bedroom, two bath in this neighborhood. You know, I'm just going to look for other 1200 square foot houses, three bedroom, two baths neighborhood, but this house has a fence. So I'm going to make this house worth a little more and this one has granite and it's going to be worth a little more, or this one's only, you know, laminate flooring and it's going to be worth a little bit less. And then it's very easy because you have a lot of data. Problem with commercial real estate is there's not a lot of data, especially when it's coming to these kind of new, more innovative types of projects that we're trying to do. There's not a lot, there's no comp for the wash. I cannot go out there and pull a comp for what the wash is going to be doing uh, because no one's ever done it before, right? No one's ever converted this little car wash into micro restaurant base. And no one, and even on micro restaurant base itself, very few people are doing that. So when I look at a concept like that, for example, Example, I try to figure out what are the best things that I compare to. So I figure out what is available. So we looked into food trucks. We looked into what traditional restaurants are going to have to do and lease out a bunch of space and do a bunch of build out, you know, for a space inside a five or 10 year lease, right? That's the traditional restaurant lease process that you're going to put fifty dollars to $100,000 into a space, buy all your equipment, you know, make all your sign and your decorations and stuff and then you sign it looks like we're kind of losing andy's right. connection exactly. here i'm going to go ahead and just wrap up um on the triple net lease variations so we have uh the, i had mentioned earlier in the show that we have a single net and a double net variation of the triple net lease um in a single net you'll you'll rarely see those sometimes you'll see them in like leases that have been renewed like 30 times right they've just been there for 50 years or whatever um in a single net lease, uh, you will have the tenant will pay base rent plus property taxes. So the landlord will be responsible for building insurance, common area maintenance, um, and maybe even utilities, depending on how that's set up. Utilities can sometimes get wrapped into common area maintenance. It just it totally depends on how the project is is configured. Um, and then you have a double net lease. So in a double net lease, the tenant is going to be paying the property taxes and the building insurance. Um, and then the landlord will be responsible for everything else above and beyond that. Uh, but that's, uh, I mean, that's a pretty good deep dive into the triple net lease expenses, who is responsible for what, um, Andy and I are happy to do another, uh, live stream sometime diving into how we underwrite these kind of wild projects that have never been done before, because he was right before he cut out. I mean, there are no, there are no cops. Right? How are we going to go out and just comp this project? We, we can't. So there is a little bit of intuition. There is a little bit of knowledge coming from just what we've been doing in Nashville and commercial real estate for the last eight years. Um, but then there's also a little bit of data to it as well. And, and we can kind of dive further into that. Corey's saying, I'm in my 20s and really love the idea of living off my investment cash flow. Should I buy a triple net or small apartment complex? Uh, Corey, I will... Uh, start this off with, I am not your investment advisor. I am not a commercial real estate attorney. I am not your CPA. Now that we have all the, the disclosures out of the way, if you're in your 20s, you're likely going to be more aggressive with building your portfolio. Most triple net properties are just not quite 
the most aggressive investment you could make in order to really start building your wealth. They become really good for preserving and slowly growing your, your wealth. Now, there is a caveat to that. If you go buy a Class C shopping center and you're planning on fully renovating the property and re repositioning it and increasing rents, well, that's a totally different deal. So th- th- I would say um, if you're looking at triple net or an apartment complex, especially if it's your first deal, apartments may be easier because everybody's lived in residential, right? So it's, it's fairly easy for you to understand. Um, triple net and commercial real estate can get pretty complicated. Um, if you're talking about like single tenant triple net properties, I would say stay away from that for sure. Because those are, you know, typically four, five, and six cap rates. And that is basically for somebody who wants to just park capital and preserve it and slowly grow it over time. Um, and that, that could make sense by the time you're 30 or 40 and you have some 1031 money and you just need to place it somewhere. That's a great opportunity for you to place some 1031 money. Uh, so Corey, that's, that's what I would recommend if you're in your twenties, uh, and, and wanting cash flow. man, nothing, nothing better than starting out with some small apartments. Awesome. Well, there you have it for this week's episode of the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining me and Andy. Sorry that we uh, didn't have the best internet connection in the world. We will try and get that figured out for you guys next time. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. Smash that bell so that you get a uh, notification every time that we go live. If you're listening on the podcast, don't forget to leave us a rating and a review, and we'll see you next week.